0: Yes, I'm giving you a 300k property, I'm also giving you a 250 grand debt. And what happens if you don't want the mortgage? What's the number one reason those people don't have a will? Where the million pound comes in is first of all, I hate selfish people. But it can, as you can see, go really, really wrong. Whereas if she had a will, leaving everything to, to spouse, there would be no inheritance tax. If you passed away, okay, and there's no will in place, the first £270,000 in your name will pass to your...
1: Jamie Shepherd, thank you for joining me on this week's episode. And we're going to talk about death a lot today because it's... What did you say? Ah, <laughs> good one. Different type of death, different type of death, the Grim Reaper death. And the first question I've got for you before we get stuck into how you're doing, how business is at Soteria Planning. I hate selfish people, but it feels to me that when someone passes away and they haven't sorted certain parts of what's going to happen with their finances out, that that can be quite selfish. So my question for you is, are too many people dying selfishly? It's a really interesting point um,
0: uh, and one way of looking at it. But I think in terms of what we do and one of the passions that we have is is all about education. So if we're talking about a, a sector of people that we've spent time educating, um, and we're talking to um, key people, mortgage advisors, accountants, financial advisors, and they're telling their clients to make sure they've got wills in place and the clients are obviously not acting, then you could argue that, yeah, uh, that they, they, they are being selfish. They're not making um, not making plans for, for their loved ones. But, of course, um, sometimes people might turn around and say, well, I'm not actually bothered. Um,
1: and you can't really argue with that. I guess it depends how many dependents they are and what dependents they have. Because for for me becoming uh, a dad, becoming a parent with two young daughters, instantly there's a level of protection, security, planning as well, you know, planning to make sure that I do right in terms of my responsibilities as a parent. So I would never want to pass away at a moment not thinking I've set up my affairs correctly in order for them to be in a position to not have to pay extra bills or or benefit from it in some fashion, you know. And I think when I when I've seen now I'm in that generation where I've seen it firsthand with people that have passed away and they've got their funeral plans built into their will, uh, will. they've got um, different budget planning set up for different parts. They've really looked after the interests of their dependents and the people that are going to inherit the estate. And it frustrates me when people haven't. And you must see that on day to day because with Soteria planning, that in a nutshell is is a big part of what your job is is to you know protect families, I guess, from 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 death when it inevitably happens.
0: Yeah, of course. And um, I mean, going back to what you said about when you become a dad, um, if you go back to to that moment, I, I can still remember uh, when I became a dad. Um, the the people around, the key people, the midwives, the the nurses, they will do certain things. So. Before you leave the hospital, they'll check that you've, you've strapped the baby into the car seat correctly. Um, the midwife will come around and make sure the baby is being fed correctly and, and growing. Um, they'll make sure you can clothe the baby. Who's checking to make sure you've got a life insurance policy in place that, 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 that somebody else could bring the baby up with? Who's, ma- who's checking to make sure you've got a will in place that decides who would look after your children? The answer is nobody. Yeah. Absolutely nobody. Um, who's educating these people?
1: Again, nobody. So do you think that's the number one reason why people don't have these protections in place? You know, we're we're talking on a property investing podcast here. So in reality, people are thinking of becoming property investors or they already are seasoned property investors. So the likelihood of them having a million pound plus property estate is quite high. And that's gonna become more and more common as obviously generations grow and as the property market continues to climb. So, you know, if we fast forward Um, 20 years and we say, right, the most people have got, you know, that are property investors have got somewhere between two and a 10 million pound property portfolio. What's the number one reason those people don't have a will? Is it just education? Is it just it's not on the periphery as something to do? It's just not a trigger.
0: So I think it depends on who, who these people have got around them. Um, because of course, um, sometimes people will have different agendas. Um, sometimes people might want to build a property portfolio just as a, an income source and, and look to potentially sell it before they pass away. Um, if, they're, if they're planning to do that, then they might be less likely um, or less inclined to want to protect against that portfolio in the event of death. However, Lots of people might want to build a portfolio and an actual business that they can pass down to their children um that can continue to be run. So it completely depends on on that person's agenda. Um and of course it, it depends, as you say, on their on their dependence. Um I've met landlords that have got multiple properties, they don't have any spouses, they don't have a partner, they don't have children, um, they'd be leaving their estate to siblings, to nieces, to nephews. Um, are they too bothered about inheritance tax planning well that's completely up to them isn't it um, and, uh, and and I just referenced there you, you mentioned the, the million pound inheritance tax is, is something that uh, of course is is widely misunderstood um, people just assume everybody gets a million pounds in the event of somebody dying and, and it's not correct whatsoever and there are some real key areas as to where and how a will can help you plan and mitigate for inheritance tax. I'll give you a scenario. So actually every single person gets 325,000 pounds. Okay. That's called the nil rate band. It's the, the tax free allowance that you can gift to somebody. On your everyone
1: death. gets it. What, who, who do you mean the, in the people that inherit this, the estate get that? So
0: yes, correct. Yeah.
1: Um, so as long as the
0: person who's passed away domiciled in, England and Wales, um, then their beneficiaries of their estate will be able to receive £325,000 tax-free. Now, where the million pound comes in is, first of all, okay, if that person was married or in a civil partnership, if they give their whole estate or whatever they give to their spouse or partner, um, would be tax-free due to something called spousal exemption. So on first death the estate passes to the surviving spouse tax-free at any level at any level okay so not unmarried couples Mm -hmm. okay but
1: married couples and also people in civil partnerships So if if me and my wife lived in a five million pound house and i've got a million pound cash in the bank and i get hit by an electric scooter and crash and hit my head on the curb could happen um my wife will then inherit all of that tax-free.
0: As long as that's in your will.
1: As long as it's in my will. What if it's not in my will? Can we pause that and come back to that? Yes.
0: Oh, not that okay. I need to think about an answer, but just to just to give you a couple of um, scenarios, there's there's obviously some famous people that, that got married just before they died for that very reason. Ken Dodd got married just before he died. Jay Goody got married just before she died. Mm. Now, Jay Goody's a, a really interesting um case study because she had two children um, and in the event that she passed away and left her estate to them, they, they would have had a huge tax bill. But um, she got married just before she passed away, left a small amount of provision for her husband. Um, the rest of the estate went into trust for the children. And I believe there was no inheritance tax paid. Um, now, of course, people will argue, well, inheritance tax should be paid. The country needs inheritance tax to be paid. Um, And it's about understanding when it's due to be paid.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting point because, and who thinks it should be paid? (laughs) Probably more politicians than the average Joe on the street, but I, I totally get your point. So I would say that was the opposite of selfish. That was a selfless act of someone trying to protect, you know, their loved ones to ensure that their hard earned money in whichever way they'd earned it was gonna be passed down in the biggest value that it could be without the deficit of a tax bill. And I look at that and think that's really good parenting and good strategy. And they're not manipulating the situation, it's just making sure that their hard-earned money has gone where they want it to go, which is their children rather than the government. Um, what if the will wasn't in place? We'll go back to that question now. What if the will's not in place in that situation?
0: So just, just adding on what you previously said, obviously both of those individuals knew that the end was near, so they had that, yeah. that uh, ability to plan. Um, so if a, if a will's not in place and somebody passes away, they're deemed to have died intestate, which basically means the laws of intestacy would apply. So what, what is currently in place right now is if you passed away, okay, and there's no will in place, the first £270,000 in your name will pass to your wife. The remainder will be split between your wife and your children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, of course, outside of your estate would be things like your your property. So if your property is jointly owned by you and your wife, it would just automatically pass to your wife. Okay. If the property was solely owned by you, or owned as tenants in common, mm-hmm. okay, your share of the property would be included in your estate. Right. Things like pensions or death in service benefits through work, if you've nominated beneficiaries for those, they would be outside of your estate. Okay, so a really good case study of um, how a will can, can help mitigate and, and get rid of inheritance taxes. Think about uh, a, a couple, a married couple, two children, married couple in their 60s, property worth a million pounds. The property's in Mr's name. Okay. Um, In fact, I'm going to give a real life scenario. This property is in Mrs's name. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because Mr had some business issues early on in life. So he's not on the property at all. Now there's no current will in place. So if Mrs dies first, okay, the first 270K of the property will pass to Mr. And the remainder will be split between Mr. and children. Okay. So a million uh, take away 270 okay, is 7.30. Mm-hmm. 7.30 split between two, okay, is 3.65. <laughs> yeah, good numbers. Okay, so the 365,000 that goes to the husband is tax-free. The 365,000 that goes to the children in this event would be taxed, okay, because um the, th- the actually, no, it wouldn't, would it, because you've got the additional nil rate band. Forget me there.
1: So it's just it's just under the threshold. It's
0: just under the threshold because they would get an additional relief in that scenario. But of course, you've also got to take into account that she's probably got bank accounts, yeah, other assets. personal possessions that would also be included in that as well. Um, but it can, as you can see, go really, really wrong. Whereas if she had a will, leaving everything to, to spouse, there would be no inheritance tax um, issues
1: at all. And I guess where the complications come in is if the kids are not both theirs that might be a, a challenge they might have they it might not be but if if mister only had one of those children and missus had had one of the other children with a different partner the the risk of from her point of view of making sure equal protection of both of her children could be something that she looks at and feels potentially or potentially not concerned by because she's trusting her spouse she's trusting her husband that he'll do the right thing on his death, obviously, with the children so that they're getting no tax deficit by him inheriting everything. But then if he was to pass away, obviously, they want to try and ensure that um, it's an equal split from from her earnings, potentially.
0: Yeah. And and that case scenario that you just mentioned is... um... It is a ticking time bomb, isn't it? If you've got a couple that are on their second relationship and they're both bringing children to a relationship from from their previous uh, marriage, for example, um, with no will, we know that on the first death, potentially nothing would go to the surviving person. But let's just say they've got a jointly owned property, Mm. which in most cases might be the case. So the property would pass to the surviving person on the first death. Well, when the second person dies, again, if there was no will, Okay, the child or children of the first person wouldn't get anything. Now, you're absolutely correct. The person who's passed away would be relying on the surviving person to make sure that the children are looked after. Yeah. And as a parent, I would categorically say to any other parent, don't rely on anybody else to do what is your job. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's, um, it is a minefield unless you know what you're talking about, which obviously you do, but the average Joe on the street... Jane on the street, it's gonna be something that they really need to get the right advice and remember the, the key milestones where things change. So what 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 the next question I've got for you is what are the top five mistakes or misunderstandings that people have around death in reality, but wills, LPAs, what are the kind of from your protection um speciality that you've got for for the public out there? What's the top five mistakes that you find people often assume incorrectly? So people often
0: assume that divorce revokes a will and it doesn't. Okay. Okay. So if, depending on how a will is written, the, um, the, your former spouse, if you like, um, may be deceased to you in that will. Okay. But the rest of the will would still exist. Okay. Um, the opposite of that is that marriage revokes a will. Okay. So if you've got a will in place and you get married, unless there's specific planning in that will, that mm-hmm. will would become revoked. Um, in terms of the the last empower attorney, um, for me, it's people often say, "Well, you can go online, you can do it yourself, it's easy." And of course, anything is easy if you know how. If you know the the pitfalls, if you know what could potentially go wrong, if you know the things that you need to consider, um, then it, of course it's easy. I mean, you asked me to check some things, didn't you? For you, and and straight away I saw that there was a name spelled incorrectly. Yeah. Um, so it's very very easy to get those documents wrong. Um, but a builder would find it easy to build their own house. Mm. So um, it's it's a second top tip is is take some advice before you put lasting power of attorney documents in place. Yeah. Um, third tip: um, Executors of a will acting um, for a for a deceased in an estate. Um, there are so many tasks that you need to do as part of the probate process, and just a small task could set you back a long way. Um, as an executor, you are responsible for the whole process. So, um, again, whilst some estates may well be suitable for the executors to administer themselves, certainly if they're not taxable, um, we would always state say to people, take some advice before you do anything, because there okay. may well be some things that you haven't thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, I know that you've lost someone recently who who owned their house uh, on their own. Um, the executors would need to do things like make sure the house is still insured because if that person's insurance, if that person passed away, their, their home insurance was now invalid. So little things like that are so really, important. So that's a really case of
1: taking, the a checklist. Yeah, taking the insurance policy as the, as the estate, as the executor, rather than leaving it in the dead person's name because it's null and void. It's yeah. a, a good tip. A lot of people probably won't think that. Um, number four, if you write a will,
0: shout about it. And what do I mean about that? Well, tell people, tell people that there is a will, mm. um, don't necessarily tell them what's in it. Um, I mean, if you're husband and wife and you've got two children and you want the children to be the executors and you want your children to be the beneficiaries equally 50, 50, then you've got nothing to lose by sharing that with the children. Um, but make sure people are aware that there is a will make sure they're aware. Where is it? Um, because otherwise something happens to you and, and people are asking the question or oh, was there a will or oh, there's two wills what's the which one do we go by um i would say that's probably a really really important tip for, for joe public
1: yeah no it's, it's good advice I, I think a lot of the time just being aware means you know where you, you can look but the question mark sitting there of the un, uncertainty is sometimes the worry or and maybe it gets missed as a result um yeah no good advice there I guess the question I've got next is our generation appears to be aging. You know, it seems to be people are living longer. And generationally at the moment for property investors, a lot of people are hitting that retirement age. So we're seeing a lot of people starting to sell their property investment. So they may have owned it for 20, 25 years. They've seen an incredible amount of growth on that asset. And they've now decided that, you know what, we're hitting 70 everyone's living longer. So fingers crossed, you know, another 20, 25 years of life left. And they think we're going to cash in on this asset. You know, maybe they bought it for 28 grand and it's worth half a million pounds now, you know, totally outright paid. Is there penalties for cashing in on that rather than remortgaging it or leaving it in the estate or passing it on to a child at that point and, and seeing the benefit? The benefit is obviously they want the cash in the bank, but. Is that the right thing to do? Is that the smartest thing to do? Or just looking at it from a death scenario, or is there better ways around dealing with that?
0: So we're talking about an unencumbered property at this point. Um, it completely depends on the family and their circumstances, doesn't it? If if you've got two children who are inheriting the property and both of them have got their own mortgage and, and both of them are financially okay and they've got a property that's currently being rented out and bringing them in an income, uh, they might agree that actually the best thing to do is to leave that property there, put it in both their names and just agree to take the income. Certainly if the property's got a tenant in there already. Mm. Um, if it's a case that actually either one or both obviously want the cash whether that to do home improvements or move property themselves then I think the answer is always going to be to sell um, I think at this very moment in time somebody is highly unlikely to to sell and just do nothing with the money um, so if they've if they've got an agenda if they, if they want to do uh, an extension on their own home or do you know what they might need it to, to buy their own home themselves mm. um, so I'd say that's a, a really bespoke. Um, question. But I think uh, just touching on that, my fifth point from your previous question is understanding logistics. So if if I said to to you, right, so um, Ian, uh, I'm going to leave you this property in, in my will. Okay. The property's worth 300K. It's got a mortgage of 250K. So that property is yours. Okay. Well, actually, yes, I'm giving you a 300K property. I'm also giving you a 250 grand debt and what happens if you don't want the mortgage what happens to the mortgage mm. when you when i die what happens cuz i haven't got life insurance covering that mortgage so you inherit the the debt in this case so in this scenario you are essentially inheriting the the the, the property the property's got a mortgage what's more than likely going to happen is the bank would probably want their money back unless you are willing to obviously remortgage that property now if you're not willing to remortgage that property or if there's a problem as to why you can't remortgage that property that property
1: would have to be sold yeah so the now, bank would um, force the sale in that case yeah yeah um
0: the bank the bank would want their money wouldn't they yeah they own it in um, reality don't it, they it, it's, well they own the majority of it yeah. yeah um and it's very very common isn't it for people to have uh, interest only mortgages on on rental properties um and in my experience i can't I, I don't know why i don't know what mortgage advisors advise their clients um but from, from what I see, lots of clients have protection um, on their residential properties, on their residential mortgages. They tend to have a, a life policy, that, but they don't on their buy-to-let properties. And mm. I don't know why that might be. Because if you if I want to give you that property, I'm envisaging, I'm giving you the whole property so you can do
1: what you want with it. You can have the rental income. But in reality, I'm giving you a massive debt. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I do on mine, but I think a lot of people don't because they want to keep the monthly bills down, don't they? They kind of see it as a, as a different scenario. I guess it, this might be a question for an accountant. So I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot here, but let's say someone's got a buy to let. They've owned that buy to let for many, many years. So there is a capital gains tax bill to pay on sale. If I was to die and then pass that on to my wife or my kids, for example. Is the capital gains tax bill still liable? Is that passed or is that kind of not passed on?
0: Um, In most cases, the capital gains tax would
1: die with you. Okay, good. That's good because a lot of people now look to remortgage their buy to let as a way of mitigating and not having to pay the tax on sale. So they just pay the mortgage down, refinance, pay the mortgage down, refinance. Effectively, the tenant is paying off the mortgage and then you're capitalizing by pulling the cash out for either another investment or a boat or a car or whatever you want to do, um, but by doing it that way, there is a chance that obviously, you, well, you're always going to have the capital gains tax bill on sale, but it might be a, a nice way for that person that we spoke about with the half a million pound property to actually refinance and then pass it on, and the capital gains tax bill would die then at, at the same point of yourself, which is interesting. We spoke a lot about tax, and we spoke a lot about you know how to and not to. Are there different tax bands? So is is it a case of my five million pound example you know let's say you've got the million pounds sat there but then there's four million pounds that is taxable for someone in whatever those circumstances are what roughly is someone expecting to pay on that four million pounds and is there different bands of it or is it just one number
0: yeah so um it's not as clean cut to say right anything over a million is 40 percent um i'm going to try and keep this as simple as possible for you so uh a person has got a five million pound estate. Okay. Um, because their estate is over 2.3 million pound. They, they actually lose what's called the residential nil rate band. So say they own a, a main residence and they wanted to give that to the children that would allow them to get the 1 million pounds worth of relief. So no kind of additional planning. They lose the residential nil rate band, which means that instead of getting a million pound tax free, they actually only get 650 tax free.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So from 650 to 5 million, which is 4.35 million, they would be taxed at 40%.
1: What was the 2.3?
0: What was that about? So um, the residential nil rate band, okay, tapers off and tapers away once you get to 2 million pound and it disappears once you get to 2.3.
1: Okay. So So. it's another case of the, the more wealthy you are, the slightly more penalized you are in tax, but it's in context.
0: Yeah. And of course, um, inheritance tax is, is something that let's be honest, you and I, um, in, in the, in, in our lives at this very moment in time, we don't have, uh, and, and typical people in, in, in our stages of life, we don't have a hundred grand in our bank account that we just want to give to someone. If we've got a hundred grand in our bank account, we want to go on a nice holiday, invest it in a property or spend it on the kids. Um, when you get to retirement age, mm. 65, I, I always heard somebody say that that, that is your go-go age. That's where you go out, you spend all your money, you go on your holidays, all that kind of stuff. Then when you get to your 75, it becomes a little bit slow go. Um, And, and you're right, what you said earlier about people living longer. So when people get to 85, stereotypically, it might be a bit of no-go. So at 85, you've got people that have got Two, three, four, five hundred three, four, 500K in the bank for a rainy day, mm. they've still got their pension income coming in. And actually they don't need that money. Now, they can't. there's nothing stopping them from just gifting that money to their children or their grandchildren or, or f- whoever they want to. As long as from when they've gifted it, they survive seven years, that money is no longer theirs.
1: Okay, makes sense. There's some great advice in there, some great tips. And it just shows how simple it can be with the right advice and how complex and difficult it can be without any advice. And we, we thrive on this podcast about telling people, get the right power team in play, get your key people, your professionals around you that are gonna help you. And you know, in this particular podcast, there's a load of gold in there that people are gonna take away. Best place to get in contact with you? Um, so you can find us
0: on all socials at, at Soteria Planning. Um, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can find us on our, our website as well. Thanks for coming on, Jamie. Thank you very much.
1: Hi everyone, breaking news. The Landlord Page podcast is no more. But don't be sad, we have rebranded the same hosts, Me, Andy and Mike will be back this Friday with a newly formed podcast called, Drumroll, if you're on the edit. Thank you, (laughs) Andy. The Investors' Corner. But Mike, why are we rebranded as The Investors' Corner?
0: Well, firstly, the Landlord Page podcast was a little bit difficult for us to say,
1: uh, and it blew people's eardrums with peas. But the real reasons were that we've hit the top 50 investing podcasts in the UK. So going with the category that we're actually successful in, uh, it gives us more relevance. And secondly, we want to appeal to a wider audience. So we're going to have some chats with some people slightly outside of the property sphere in the next few series to give people some more options
0: yeah, we've still got property as the foundation of this podcast, but we'll be looking into other areas as, as well of as investment. You know, there's, there's an ever-changing thing in, in investing in, in property and other things as well. So we want to try and highlight sort of, different areas to, to put your money in
1: the world is ever evolving. And although we will always have that core foundation of property in there, really, really looking forward to some new guests, some exciting guests around creative investing, small, large investing, and it's going to open it up nicely, like Mike says, into different categories as well. So we've listened to our audience. Thank you for your feedback. If you haven't already subscribed, please do. And this Friday, the Investors Corner will be out with its first new episode.